Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick and Casey. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on spoilerverse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. of the Spoilerverse Unites, and welcome back to Spoiler Country. I don't know why I'm laughing, but I'm <laughs> Kendrick Regan. That's Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, it's Afraid of Everything author, Adam Tierney. Yeah, and Casey got to sit down and talk with him, and Casey actually got a copy of the book, and he's been reading it to his girls at night, and Adam oh, Tierney. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, remember Casey put that cool picture with the skull next to it, and and yep. yeah, yeah, yep, uh, yep. But Adam Turney also he was he was the writer of the X Men official game back in 06 and the Justice League Heroes game, both the Game Boy X-Men Advance the versions. Official game in yep. 06. Yep, yep. that was the yep. full title of the game, X Men the official game. Because the only X Men game I recognize is a stand up arcade game from the early nineties. <laughs> the only one you recognize, like when you, yeah, you, it's basically <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with new skin. Are you high grounding us here? No, it's the only one I recognize. The rest of them don't exist. <laughs> That's the only one I know. I should put it that way. Right, yeah. No, yeah. no, fuck that. It's the only one I recognize. Is, no. <laughs> Way to highbrow us there, Kenrick. <laughs> right, right. Well, I got to get it somewhere. I mean, if, if this is your stand, man, take it. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. <laughs> I don't wear masks because I'm an idiot. Yeah, you do wear a mask because you're not an idiot. So there. I know. I wear a mask everywhere. I don't understand the whole concept of people arguing about that, but. I don't get it either. But today, we're going to listen to Casey talk to Adam about Afraid of Everything, and his career writing games and books. There you go. Well, let's sit back and listen to Adam in his own words. All right, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country. My name is Casey Allen, and today on the show, I have writer, creator, man of many hats, Adam Tierney. Adam, how you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me on. Dude, dude, no no problem. I'm happy to have you on. And I mean, I, I said you wear a lot of hats. You 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 wear a lot of hats, man. So <laughs> more more figuratively than literally. I, I actually don't know how many hats I own, but yeah, definitely do try a lot of different things in as far as like uh, job and art and stuff. So so okay. You're, you you have a book coming out from from IDW. Yep. It's afraid of everything, and it sounds really really freaking cool. It's basically a uh, A to Z of of phobias yep. for kids, and it's all like little short horror stories. Yeah, it sounds like a blast, and and I really want to talk about that, and we're mm-hmm. we're gonna get into that. Okay. Um, <laughs> But you you also have have a an extensive career in video games and art and all this other stuff. So so tell me like how did you get 
into what you do? Like what, where did, where did it all start? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, this is my first book and we'll talk more about that later, but as my day job and, and especially for the last 15 years, I work in video games. So there's a, a developer publisher named way forward from California. And a lot of people know them from either doing the Shantae games, which we created, or we've done a lot of licensed stuff like uh, double dragon Contra DuckTales was a big hit for us. So I joined up with them as an animator about uh, 15 years ago, but I've always been more of a writer than an artist. I just kind of sort of fell into the animation thing um, as like a hobby around that time. And once they realized, oh, no, you're more of a writer, like I, I quickly switched over and started doing more design work and, and directing and stuff for them. So most of the time I've been doing that. And yeah, I've been there for about 15 years, directed about a dozen games. Some of the games I did for Way Forward are Aliens, Batman, Justice League, X Men, Centipede, Silent Hill, and then some original stuff like Lit and Till Morning's Light. Those are horror games. Most recently, I did directed River City Girls, which came out last year. But yeah, now in addition to directing there, I also do the the business development, which means I'm kind of the guy chasing down what games we should do next, like saying, oh, we should do this old classic Genesis or Super Nintendo game, or, hey, this is a really cool show, we should do this. Like A good example is we just announced Troll Hunters, the Guillermo del Toro Netflix series. We did the first like big official console game for that, so that was like a deal that I put together. So yeah, a little, little bit of creative and, and a little bit of business, and that's, that's mostly what I do at, uh, at WayForward. And then in addition to that, I've been getting more into book stuff as a hobby. And then I also did a little bit of TV writing too. I wrote a couple episodes of uh, Teen Titans Go for uh, Warner Brothers a few years ago. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. 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 That, so, so, I'm getting some echo. Sorry. Oh, no, okay. right. For some reason it stopped. Okay. <laughs> Is there any echo um, on mine or am I coming through okay? No, no, you're coming through okay. For some reason okay. it just crapped out somehow. But yeah, Teen Titans Go, that's amazing. My, uh, I, I say that like, oh, wow, I'm fanning out there because my five-year-old <laughs> is nuts for Teen Titans Go. <laughs> it's a funny show, yeah. And, it, and the way that one happened is we did a Batman game based on The Brave and the Bold. That was a show from, I think, about a decade ago for Batman. And That show was the truth. It was so good. Oh, man. thank you. Yeah, yeah, was that show was fun. awesome. We loved it. And so we did the game based on it. And basically, you know, it's a funny show. And so the show has nonstop jokes, nonstop dialogue, very similar to like Teen Titans Go. And we did the game. And so we said, okay, well, if we're going to do a game, it can't just be like beat them up cinematic going back and forth. The characters have to be talking and joking constantly. So we wrote the dialogue. So it was just nonstop, like what we call passive VO. So it's like dialogue that's happening while you're fighting. It doesn't interrupt the action. And it went over really well and, and people really dug it. It was reviewed really well, but Warner brothers especially liked it. And so, yeah, because I had written the, the script for that, they kind of took a, a shine to me and I get to write a couple episodes of, of the TV series, teen Titans go. Cause that's what they were putting together at the time. So I'd never written TV before I had written, scripts for games but that was the first time i got to work in tv and that was really awesome that that's that's so rad that you were able to to transition from your your video game into into television and it seems like you're spinning a lot of plates 
and you're, you're making a lot of stuff happen. And what is, is it more rewarding for you to, to, to do the, the creative aspect or, or is it just as rewarding for you to, to chase after the talent and, and do that thing? What, like you're doing for the, the way forward. I think they, they balance each other out a lot. So like, I know that, that, you know, when I first started at WayForward doing video games, it was around the time of Game Boy Advance. And then it was right about when like Nintendo DS was coming out. So a lot of what we did, you finish the game. And then uh, a couple months later, when it comes out, you get your copy of it, you get the cart, you put it in the system. So it was like very, you know, physical, it was like traditional gaming. But nowadays, that's like less and less common. Like so many games now are just code and in fact like one of the biggest games i ever worked on was this horror game called till morning's light for ios for iphone never got a physical release because it's an iphone release and then when they updated the the last few system updates the game didn't work anymore so it just got deleted so it's kind of a bummer it's like oh i spent a year of my life on that and you can't play it now because it was only digital and and it doesn't have the latest firmware so i think because all the games were kind of shifting in more of a of a digital kind of space and you know i didn't have as much stuff on my uh shelves as far as like you know box copies of games i'd worked on it made me really want to do something very physical and very tangible and that's why i you know i before i had always kind of like done hobby stuff in the background but it was usually game related but once you know for the past couple years and starting with this book I started getting really interested in in books because it's such a physical, tangible thing. It's sort of the opposite of a video game. And I really like the experience of making something where it's you can hold it in your hand, you can flip through the pages, you can think about how the reader is going to experience it. So, yeah, it was really kind of, you know, cathartic for me to do the video game, all the digital stuff as a, as a living nine to five, but then be able to do this like very traditional old school kind of tangible art form in my own time. That's, that's that's so cool. So how did you, how did you go about starting the, the book? Like where did you get the idea for it? So the idea, I know a lot of artists through my job because we, we hire a lot of artists. We use a lot for like concept art and stuff. And I found this guy in Sweden named Matthew cousin and his style is just great. Cause it's like this weird combination of cartoony, but also like really messed up and really horrible and horrific too. So it's like, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen before where it feels like it's like half for kids and half really, really not for kids. It's and really so, fun looking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. And, and so, and it's kind of cool because since it is so cartoony, you can kind of get away with more gory stuff than I think you could in a kid's book if it was just normal looking or more adult looking. So really I just kind of saw his art, fell in love with it. And I said, Oh, I got to work with this guy. And I don't remember exactly why I settled on a book, but it just sort of popped into my head and basically I got him on board and then we did a couple of the initial stories and did those as a sample and figured out the style. And then we ended up doing a Kickstarter mostly to get the money because I, I wanted to pay him up front. I didn't want to just say, Hey, will you come in and work on this with me for a year and not get paid? I would rather pay him up front and then, you know, we can get the, the royalties of the back end, of course, and split that too. So it was mostly the getting a Kickstarter together was to get 
the money to pay him to do the full book because it's it's A to Z, so it's twenty six illustrations plus an additional ones for covers and interior like little bonus and stuff like that. But yeah, it was cool to put together. And and the main thing that that we really wanted to do was we wanted to do a horror story collection for kids, but one that was really pretty genuinely dark. And and I've got two kids, um, a son who's 10 and a daughter who's uh, seven. And back when I started this book, they were, I think, like probably like five or six and, you know, three or so. And my son was really into spooky books, but I knew I noticed that whenever I went to the bookstore, there they were all pretty tame compared to like what I grew up on. So I grew up on like you know Are scary you stories. Of the dark? Yeah, exactly. Are you afraid of the dark? Scary stories to tell in the dark. R.L. Stein, like you know stuff that in the eighties and nineties was pretty much you know legitimate horror just written for kids. And when I was looking for that for my son, because he was really into spooky stuff, I didn't find much that was written nowadays. Most of the stuff was like, oh, here's a Halloween story or here's a ghost story or whatever. But it's it was so tame and and nice and cheerful that it it didn't it didn't, you know, feel risky. It didn't feel like actually scary or, or dangerous. And I was kind of thinking, well, why why can't you do that? Like, you know, you're not gonna do a story where it's got gore or it's got a bunch of nudity or cussing or stuff like that for a kid. But why can't you do a story where, especially like the scary stories to tell in the dark, it's pretty creepy and you're worried someone's going to, you know, meet an untimely death, but just write it for kids. And so that's, that's kind of the seed of the idea that we came up with. And then the other big part was we wanted to do something where every single story was just one page. So you could flip to any page in the book and on the left is a big illustration by Matthew, and on the right is a, a text story from me. But then none of them continue to a second page; they're always one pager. So, on the one hand, you get to do you get like really nice quick reading, like a kid can read a couple of them before bed. It only takes like three or four minutes per story. But I also just love the the visual of that. That it's just like flip to any random page, and there's this like totally self contained story, and then just doing like a bunch of those to fill out the book. But that's but that's, that's a that's, challenge in and of itself, correct? I mean, having to do a clear and concise story for kids all in one page—that's uh, yeah, that's that, kind of monumental when it gets down to it, especially that, for that well, was like actually stories. totally 26. that. It, it ended up so it was twenty six, and then we had a since it's a Kickstarter and you do like bonus content and stuff, it ended up being thirty seven because we had to do a bunch of bonus stories. Oh, nice. I immediately regretted because it made the workload so much more hard. But but the yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. Like it was actually, I remember timing it because I had to write so many stories, and just writing the first draft of a story might take me like twenty to thirty minutes. Like just writing everything down, like oh cool, and I got all the jokes and I got all the beats and all that. Twenty thirty minutes to write the story. The story is like three times as long. Then it would take me no joke like three or four hours to shrink it to one page. And that was so hard to, yeah, keep the idea, keep like, you know, cause it's also, we're doing like a horror structure. So you have to introduce the reader and then you have to start getting creepy and then you have to make them wonder where it's going next. And then you have to have a big twist at the end. Like you have to go through all these story moments and you only have one page. So that was totally the hardest thing. And, and part, of it, part of why it took us so long was, yeah, just cramming it to one page. In fact, like I was like, changing words based on how they would pop the paragraph to the next line it was it was like every single <laughs> space in the story like totally you know uh, had to had to live on its own 
That's amazing. But part of it, it's also that much more rewarding because you have this, you know, you have a challenge for yourself. Can I do this in one page? Can I make something uh, that pops in, in one page? Yeah. And it was also like an interesting thing was I wanted to, another one that was like a real big influence on me when I was younger was the Shel Silverstein poems because he would get pretty dark. He would like have weird poems about like, like gypsy characters, like kidnapping kids and stuff. And so I, but the cool thing about Shel Silverstein is the formatting was all over the place. So he would have some oh, yeah. poems, he would have some stories, he would have some weird structure. So I wanted to do that too. I wanted to have some poems. I wanted to have like play with shapes. So like the snake story has actually shaped the text like a snake story. And so that was really important to me to like vary that stuff. So as I was writing, a lot of times I would have a totally fully written story and just say, you know what, this one's not working toss it completely and then just rewrite something from scratch or do something where it's just oddball, weird layout or stuff like that. So that was a big part of it too, was not just coming up with the ideas, but then really being critical since this was going to be my first book ever and thinking, do each of these stories really work as good as they can? And if not just toss it and, and, and do it over. I ended up doing that with probably about a third of them, just like totally starting from scratch because the, the initial pass just wasn't where I wanted it. Was it hard to, take the adult sensibilities that you have as a writer and, you know, just as a person and write a children's book and for, for a, what's ostensibly a horror book, but not go too dark because I'm sure that you, you kind of have to pump the brakes a little bit. There's, there's very little pumping. <laughs> they, <laughs> they get pretty damn dark. I would say, you know, it was mostly like, I didn't want to second guess myself because if I, like the whole point of, of the whole pitch of it to everybody, both on the Kickstarter and, and later on was, Hey, this is going to be as dark as like when we were kids, like it's going to be pretty messed up, but still appropriate. So I didn't want to water it down. So it really was, I didn't second guess it that much. It was mostly just like, okay, I'm not going to show gore. I'm not going to talk about sex or nudity. Like there's nobody, you know, like getting stabbed or decapitated or anything like that. But there's stuff where, there's like implied doom or a character gets sucked away and you don't know what happened to him. So I, I did want, like, that was one thing I didn't want, you know, 37 stories where kids almost died and then came out of it and said, Oh, that was a close one. Cause what, what's the point? Like after the fifth story, you're like, all right, none of them are going to, you know, die or, or, or get hurt. I don't care anymore. So I'd say probably it's about, you know, probably close to half of them have bad endings. And then the other half have good or clever endings or something. But yeah, as far as the horror stuff, I really, it was just saying no gore, no language, no violence, and then not limiting myself on, on what would happen. And then, you know, the only other thing that was like, as far as kids was making sure that I'm choosing words that, that are in their vocabulary. So I'm not using like, you know, super complicated words or stuff that they would be learning in, you know, high school or college. It's all stuff that, that I think would be mostly readable by like an eight to 12 year old. But yeah, that, that was it. I didn't. I I really went out of my way to not censor it or dial it back too much beyond that because I think if I didn't, you know, make good on the promise that this is one of the darkest things, you know, as far as kids' books that that will have come in a long time, you know, I didn't want to risk that by watering it down, or else it's just it wouldn't have a point to, to even exist. Did you test did you, drive these out on your kids? I did. So. My son was constantly reading it, and he's actually one of the stories, uh, one of the characters in the story too. Um, That's awesome. And, and 
and yeah, his, his is like fear of school and, and he gets like trapped by at the end by this like evil creature and you don't know if he gets out and he's always bugging me. He's like, I don't like that one. Cause I don't know what happens to me. Like, you know, I like leaving some of them nebulous, but the, the, my big kind of, you know, editor kid editor basically is my boss at way forward. His name is Voldy way. And that's where the way and way forward comes from. His daughter was like a tween at the the time that I was writing it. And she loves horror stuff, loves spooky stuff. So I actually like basically contracted her to read all 37 of my stories. And then I gave her this long form and, you know, it's like, what do you like best? What do you not like best? How do you rate this? What was confusing? And that was really good in terms of helping me kind of see which are the stories that were going to stand out with kids and then which are the ones like, I, I think I just said, I'm going to take the, you know, five or 10 stories she likes least and just toss them, just totally redo them, not even try and fix them. So yeah, it, working with my, my boss's daughter, she was fantastic in terms of really making, you know, me kind of understand what was working and not working from a kid's perspective. That's great, That's great. to have that site, that type of just oversight or, or feedback from, from somebody that's actually going to be appreciating it. Yep. So that's rad. So this is your first book. Are uh-huh. you planning on doing any more? Is I mean, can't stop with just one, right? Oh yeah. No, I'm I'm completely addicted. <laughs> and and that was so the yeah, the cool thing. So but this one took forever. That was the crazy thing. So we started it in 2015, five years ago, right before Halloween. And I think on the Kickstarter, we said, oh, it'll take us a year or so. It ended up taking us between writing it and editing it. And then I also did all the design work and Photoshop and then, and then printing, we had to like print it and we had to find a printer and test printers and, and, you know, ship back and forth and hundreds of copies. And it ended up taking us about three years between coming up with the idea and actually shipping it out to all the people. So, you know, what, what I learned on that though, is like, speedier turnaround like what worked and didn't work on that so i have my second book is uh, i did a kickstarter a while back and that was called those kids you know and it's it's another weird one it's not a horror story but that one is like it's basically like taking a bunch of tropes like stereotypes of like teenage kids and just saying like oh there's this kid and this kid and they're like weird little you know perspectives on them and they're like little mini poems and and then for whatever reason we decided to do it as a as a board book, you have young kids. So, you know, what those big shiny, you know, thick board books are when they're like, you know, one or two years old. So that one we're almost done with. And then I've got a couple others that are in various states of development. Most of them are horror themed just cause I, I love horror stuff, but yeah, it's cool. It's, it's really cool to work on those. And I mean, the nice thing is uh, with the freight of everything, I, we finished the book and then we shipped it to all the people that backed it. And then I sold some additional copies that was back in like 2018. And I said, okay, now that I've got it, I have no interest in being like an actual publisher. I don't want to keep making copies of books. I just want to write the books. So I reached out to a handful of, of publishers and comic places and stuff. And IDW who I've loved for ages, the comic book publisher, they got back to me and said, Oh, this seems awesome. Let's do it. And it was crazy. Cause yeah, I think they were in the first batch of people I emailed and it was like two days later, they're like, Oh yeah, that's cool. Let's, let's do it. And it that's was, awesome. uh, I had figured I had other, other friends that work in books and they're like, Oh yeah, I've been trying to shop my novel around for, you know, two years now or whatever. And I'm like, Oh yeah, it took me like two days. I just got lucky. <laughs> but the, thing that was, 
really exciting about IDW that made me immediately want to go with them is they just took it as is. They're like, oh yeah, we get this book and and we'll run it. Like they would have, you know, there was all, very little editorial. Like most of the changes that they brought was, you know, we worked together on like giving it a different look and like, you know, making the the page layouts like, you know, more fancy and, and adding more kind of, you know, unique typography. But they didn't really water it down at all. And that was my big thing was I didn't want to like bring it to like a traditional kids publisher because again, those are the places that are kind of doing the more safe books. And so I'm sure even if I was able to get one of them interested, they would say, well, that's okay, but you can't have these eight stories and these five, you got to pull out the ending and blah, blah, blah. I didn't want to do that. I wanted, frankly, kind of a messed up, like weird, dark book that, that kids would say, oh man, this is like really creepy and, and really get into the same way that, that I was with scary stories. And IDW was like, yeah, this, this works. We'll just take it as is. And so now like the, the book is finally out. We've been working on it back and forth for about a year. I have it in my hand. It actually just came out a few days ago and uh, it's beautiful, but yeah, it's, it's amazing that they're just like, they understand what I was going for and they're like, yeah, that fits into our, into our, you know, style and, and, and we're going to roll the dice on it. And, and it is, and, and it came out and it's completely non-censored. It's exactly what me and Matthew wanted to do. And, and now we're just really excited to see, you know, how people react to it. That's great, That's man. Great. And, 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 and IDW, IDW really has been putting out some amazing stuff lately. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that they grabbed hold of your project and, and kind of ran with it because it, I think it's a great addition to the stuff they're already putting out. Uh, yeah, and it was very much awesome. like, it was very much like uh, when I first started talking there, kind of the reaction was like, well, we could do this, but like, you know, we do comics, right? Like we don't know <laughs> books and I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. I don't care. Like, I just want to, you know, I, I, I trust you guys. Like you guys are my favorite publisher. And, and it was funny because it, it, most people do think of them as comics or they also, you know, do TV shows like they did, Dirk gently and they do lock and key and stuff like that. But apparently, and I didn't even know this when I first approached them, they do have a very small kind of line of, of kids books that they've done over the years. That no are idea. Yeah. Legitimate kids books. And the other thing that's interesting about them is they said their distributors are traditional book distributors. So a lot of comics are like, you know, they go through diamond distributors most like exclusively where it's just like targeted at the like uh, hobby comic shops they were using like the traditional book places that just put it in Barnes and Nobles and Amazons and stuff like that. So I'm like, Oh, this is perfect. Like I can do the book with you guys. It'll look, you know, it'll, it'll be exactly the same and it'll look even better than the original version. And we can get it everywhere. It's like right now it's like any online store you go into, you just type it in it's available at all of them. So it was like perfect, perfect match as far as the, the, what the book was going for and the publisher. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I, I was actually looking at the the Those Kids You Know campaign that you did. Oh. And the art by Kelly Ficara yeah. is fantastic. It, it yeah. looks like a really fun book. She's so, a, yeah, she's really young. She's only in her early twenties, but her look her art has this like totally like seventies, eighties schoolhouse rock kind of like retro. Oh, look. exactly. Totally. Yeah, and, and it was, uh, it was the exact same thing with her. It was just, I saw her art and I'm like, man, I got to work with this person. And so we came up with the idea together and then we did a couple sample pages and she finished all the other pages. And yeah, it's, it, I, I think that for me, at least on the book side, that's what really gets me going is 
finding amazing artists that just blow me away with like super unique styles um, that are drawing like unlike anybody else out there and then just teaming up with them and seeing what we can do. That's great. So what, what's next for what's next for you? Like what's the next big project that you're going to be? So let's, let's see. Well, actually, you know what I'll tell I, I, so my next book, I have not announced my next book anywhere, but I'll, oh, exclusive. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll announce it right here um, because I'm planning to start putting, you know, Kickstarter together anyways. So the third book, just because I, I like doing weird stuff and I like, you know, the first book is, you know, A to Z phobias and it's children's books, one page. The second one is like a weird, like uh, uh, encyclopedia of, of like, like weird, you know, cool teenagers, but it's like, like a baby board book. So the third one is, is I was looking up uh, again, horror stuff. And there's this Japanese myth of a, of a woman named uh, Kuchisake Ona. And she like, she's known as like the slit mouth woman. So if you ever see like oh, horror stuff, yes. where it, like, yeah, where the mouth is like cut up on the sides, <clears throat> like Joker. And so I started reading up on this. I, I just kind of stumbled upon it one day online and it was like, it was so fascinating because it's like, so based in rules, it's almost like a video game. So they're basically, it's this woman and she wanders around. So they don't know if she's a ghost or a yokai or what, you know, whatever it, it varies like legend to legend. But she wanders around Japan and you, she corners people in an alley. And then she says like, do you think I'm pretty? And then if you, you know, depending on what you say, yes or no, then, oh, she has a mask and then she'll pull the mask down after you answer. And then she'll kill you if you say something, but there's all these weird rules around it. Like, well, if you ask her uh, a question in return and say, well, do you think you're pretty? Then it can confuse her. You can run away. Or it's like, they say, if you have like coins or hard candy in your pocket and you throw it at her feet, then that can distract her. So it was the weirdest thing. I was like reading like all this Wikipedia and all this like lore on her. And it's like, it's almost like a, a guide. It's like, you know, it's, it's this like, you know, a uh, uh, horror story, but it's like, okay, if she does this, then make sure you have this. And if she does this, then think about having one of these. And, and, you know, it was so bizarre and just fascinating that I started kind of coming up with an idea. So the third book is called the sake etiquette. And so the basic <laughs> idea is uh, it's super weird. It's even weirder than the first two books. And I'm doing it with a wonderful artist named Catrice. And so basically the, the third book is it's almost like a travel guide. So it's like one of those like skinny vertical, like glossy kind of things like, Oh, I'm going to Japan. Like here's the sightseeing <laughs> stuff in Japan, but it's all about this like horror, horrible uh, creature character and you flip through the pages and it's like, if she tries to do this, then do this. If she, you know, tries to stab you, then ask her this question. If you have coins, then do this. And the art is really gorgeous. We haven't revealed it yet, but, but once I get like, you know, the, the kind of presentation to get it, we will. And it's, yeah, that, that's the next one is basically, you know, a, a travel guide on how to survive an encounter with this like horrible, like demon ghost woman. If you happen to be walking around Japanese alleyways and, and bump into her. That sounds like a hoot. That sounds great. <laughs> so you, how did you get into the video game thing? Because didn't you start like traditionally as, as or start as like more of a traditional artist? Yeah. So, I mean, all in, in, when I was a kid, I was an artist, but really more of a, of a writer. Once I got to middle school, I was always writing, you know, plays or short stories or stuff. So I went to college for creative writing 
and then learned sort of how to do production with like radio plays and stuff. And I knew I wanted to do something with writing. So I figured I would, you know, be a screenwriter or a book writer or something. But when I got out of college, it just happened that I was like really into game development at the time. And I started kind of as a hobby doing pixel art and animation. And for whatever reason that ended up turning into a career faster than the other stuff. I was also at one point I was going to be a teacher. So it was very weird when I was starting at way forward, I was directing video games during the day. And then at night I was going to classes to be a middle school English teacher. Cause that's what I was planning to do. And the, <laughs> the video game stuff, I, I basically hit a point where I'm like, it's all, you know, taking too much time. I have to pick one or the other. And, and my mom was a teacher and she said, you should go for the game. She's like, you know, it's, it's so hard to be a teacher right now. And obviously I was a little more you know excited about that, but, but yeah, it, the way I got into it was really just like, I had dabbled in hobby dev doing art. And then also the, the website IGN, I had written for them for a while doing review articles and previews and stuff like that. And just by nature of kind of being in that world, I connected with Matt Boson, our creative director, who's the director on all the Shantae games. And he said, oh, hey, you're in Los Angeles. Like, you should come visit us. And so I got kind of chummy with them. And then once they realized, like, oh, he can animate and you know, he's got some good design ideas and stuff, they ended up hiring me. And, and so my first couple projects, I was just helping out with art and animation. And then I think within about a year, I had transitioned to like, okay, now he's actually like designing, directing games. And that's what I've done for the past, you know, dozen years or so. And then now, just in the last couple of years, now I'm also doing like the biz dev stuff, which means, you know, if we want to do like another Contra game or another Double Dragon game or like, you know, like whatever is the cool like brands that we've always wanted to work with. Now I'm the guy that like hits those companies up and says, hey, like, can we work on this together? And here's a, an, an image of what it would look like and, and, you know, kind of puts the deals together. So that's that's really exciting because in addition to just shaping the individual games that WayForward does with the ones I direct personally. Now I can kind of make sure that we're getting lined up for doing the kind of cool games that that'll really set us up for, you know, being a pretty memorable developer. And, and that's the really what I want to do in that role is get us more of those games and less of kind of the licensed games that we don't really care about really just line us up for like all the brands that people are going to go just absolutely crazy over. That's great. That's great. That's great. But uh, speaking of like the the licenses that you've done, man, you've you've really gotten a hold of some really fantastic properties: X Men, uh, yep. and Batman, all of these crazy things like that. Has it been fun to to play in that sandbox a little bit and just kind of get your feet wet with those characters? Oh, definitely. I mean, especially like Batman was a huge turning point for us because before then we get, you know, like my first game as a director was X-Men. So it was cool to write Wolverine and like, you know, have him like reference, you know, Gene gray and like stuff like that, like doing all that stuff was really cool. But Batman was crazy because it was not just text dialogue. It was a VO. And so when we wrote the game, what was really like probably the most single, most amazing like professional experience in my life is after we wrote the game, we got to go to Warner Brothers studio and for two weeks we got to sit in and they recorded all the dialogue that we wrote with the oh, full sweet. cast from the TV show. And so we were dealing with like, you know, legends of VO that I'd always wanted to meet. And, you know, they're writing, they're reading our words and they're doing our characters. And so that stuff was amazing. 
And then we put that in the games and then that, that totally changed how we do games. So now if you play a way forward game in 2020, like almost all of them are just like wall to wall VO and cinematics and they get more and more cartoon like, because I think a lot of the, the directors just come from that kind of world of loving cartoons. But yeah, no, it, it was, it was really lucky. Like it, I, you know, I had a good company that, you know, Matt as our creative director and, and the rest of management were going after these really good brands. But then, and then now that I'm, you know, part of that process, I can even more specifically say, well, you know, that's a good one, but how about this game based on this classic Japanese game from, you know, 1998, like we can get really specific (laughs) on like the really hardcore ones uh, that we go after. And that's been really, you know, even more exciting. Well, it seems like you guys have a lot of really good vision for for what you do. So, and, and it takes that if you want to stand out amongst the the sea of of other game developers. So, yeah, I think that's what people are looking for now is is what you're going to do with the brand. And so, like, you know, a, a really good one for us that I didn't direct was uh, Ducktales when we remade the NES game and we wow. made it look like the cartoon. That was one of our biggest hits. People just loved the fact that it looked like a Disney cartoon and it had all the voice actors. So stuff like that is cool. And then stuff like River City Girls, which we just did, that was one where we took an existing brand, the River City Ransom one, and we said, hey, we're gonna we're gonna do our own thing on this. And so we kind of reimagined the characters and came up with an all new art style and music style. So, you know, that can be really freeing too, is to, you know, put our own spin on it and like make it way forwardy, as we call it. And then, you know, that 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 ended up getting a ton of attention and a ton of, you know, good press and downloads and stuff. So really like a, a good, I think, you know, that's what the directors at way forward love is a good mix of um, doing licensed stuff that we grew up on and then kind of putting our own spin and original uh, ideas into games as well. That's, that's great. Do you have anything coming up through way forward that you're particularly excited about? Yes. And I can't. Can you say. tell us about? It? I can't say it. It's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can. I can say the most it. recent thing that we've announced. They had a trailer a few weeks ago was we're doing the first Troll Hunters game for Guillermo del Toro. And so, you know, I love del Toro's horror movies and my kids and I love the Netflix series. And so that was like an example of like, we met with a publisher and they're like, hey, here's like a dozen things we can do. And both Voldy and I are like, that one, that one, because we were like, you know, super into del Toro and super into, you know, that, that sort of storytelling. So that's the next thing. But yeah, no, there's, there, the stuff that we're we have brewing right now that's going to come out in in 2021 or later this year is some of the best stuff Way Forward's ever done. So it's it's a, it's a really good time to be be a Way Forward fan. Those are big words, man. Those are big words. <laughs> I'm I'm excited to to follow along and see what you guys are doing because it sounds like not not only do you love what you do, but you also like you 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 don't just love your job you also love your hobbies and and you take equal pride in in both of them yeah. so that that's awesome it's it seems like a lot of people that when they get into you know something on the side it's because maybe they're not completely fulfilled in in their their job that they do already so right. it it sounds like you're you're equally stoked yeah this was really like with afraid of everything, it was really just like, I want to do something very physical and, and very like, you know, also just like a pure experience. Cause when I'm directing a game, you're working with, you know, 20, 30 people, everyone's contributing. Some of it comes out 
how you thought. Some of it comes out better. Some of it comes out not how you wanted and you have to redo it. So it's a very collaborative process. So for books, it was really appealing to me to do something where there's only two of us involved and we have like total say. So, you know, it's, it, and again, I'm, I'm so happy that, that IDW ended up picking up our book, Afraid of Everything. Cause I think if I had done the book, and then, you know, either it didn't, you know, fund on Kickstarter or it did fund, but then no publishers were interested. You know, it could be the kind of thing where I'm like, ah, oh, you know, maybe this is not really worth my time. Maybe I should just focus on on the games and, you know, if anything, do my own games on the side or something. But the fact that, yeah, again, like we, we found, sent it to IDW and they really embraced it and did like, you know, a gorgeous edition. Like it's, it's so much nicer in terms of the design in terms of the materials it, it, it just feels you know i was proud of the the first version we did but this just takes everything to like a next level it's been really good to work with them and, and hopefully it's you know the first of many times that that i get to work with them because I, I really they're also local they're down in san diego and i'm in los angeles and i visited them and they they really just have this very kind of like family feel to them so i i'm totally addicted now super excited that that we got to do our first book with them and, and hoping that we can do many more with them in the future hint hint right <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure so right now things are things are kind of crazy yep. and obviously due to covid a lot of places have had to shut down or uh, stop operations comics and you know books in general are kind of you know we need those things around Right. And in order to sell comics, in order to sell books, you have to have bookstores, you have to have comic shops. Do you have any local comic or bookshops that you want to shout out while oh, yeah. while you have, yeah. you know? While yeah, absolutely. So I've, I've been out here in Los Angeles for about 20 years. Yeah, 20 years exactly after I graduated college. And there's this amazing shop. It's the best comic shop I've ever been to my in my life in Pasadena, which is one of the areas of Los Angeles. And it's called Comics Factory. And you can see the website if you go to comicsfactory.com or if you, you know, just uh, look it up on Facebook or whatever. And it's been my comic shop for 20 years. It's just perfect blend of like the latest comics of like really good indie and like, you know, kind of weird sections. So like I would never have heard of IDW had they not, you know, had a huge section of their kind of stuff at, at the shop. And what's funny is I've never lived in Pasadena. So it's always been like, quote unquote, my shop never lived in the town where it is, but it's always <laughs> been better than the shops that are actually in my town. So yeah, for me, definitely comics factory in Pasadena. If you're in the LA area, check them out. It's, it's one of the best comic shops I've ever seen. And the people there are so nice and the, the, you know, the way they have it laid out and what they have for sale is, is just amazing. Is there anything in particular that is really knocking your socks off in terms of comics today? I haven't been reading that much in terms of comics just because I'm so busy between the the stuff we're producing and and the kids. And then also, especially like, you know, so the video game stuff has gone pretty well since we've been working from home. But like a lot of people, when you're working from home, there's not really a cutoff. And so I'm just oh, yeah. always yeah, always doing email, always doing like, you know, Zoom calls and stuff. So I haven't been reading that much, to be honest. I really need to catch up. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to when the shops open again and when I can browse. Because, you know, a lot of comic shops, including that one, I know that they do the, you know, curbside pickup. 
but I'm a, I'm a browser. Like I've, I've never really, other than a few times had a pull list. I always want to just browse and I kind of pick stuff up as I go. So I'm really waiting till, yeah, I, I'm waiting till stuff is, is opening again so I can start, you know, perusing the shelves and, and grabbing things with cool art. So yeah, right now I'm kind of in a wait mode on that, but definitely looking forward to, to, to checking what's out there once we get going again. That's awesome. And just to, to restate, um, Afraid of Everything is out by IDW. Where can people get that? Yeah, so it's it's available now. And the way they did it, it's available pretty much everywhere. So if you go on you know, Amazon or Barnes & Noble, if you go on like any online bookstore and just type in Afraid of Everything, you'll find it. And they actually, they have a landing page. I think it's idwpublishing.com slash afraid. If you type that in, it takes you to a page where it has like links to like all the different sites. But yeah, really, if you just type in afraid of everything or afraid of everything horror book or, you know, look in any place that sells books, it's on all those. It's uh, 1999. It's a beautiful hardcover. And I think it's 96 pages, tons of illustrations. It's got 26 A to Z stories with Matthew's art. Then it's got 11 more stories with guest art. And that was really cool because I get to pull in some of the video game people. So like Temi Chang. Yeah. Temi Chang is an animator on undertale. Everyone knows her from that. And she was like the Temi character. So she did a story. I got to get Ko Takeuchi, who is the guy, if you've ever seen Wario or the Wario that's all his art. And then like the game grumps, I got Aaron Hansen. He did a story and did some art as well. So it's really cool to like get people from the industry to contribute. So yeah, but it's, it's a really cool book. I mean, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but yeah, it's got 26 main stories, 11 bonus stories, and then it has all the extras that we had, like stepping you through the process of how Matthew and I came up with the idea, how we designed the pages, sketches of the illustrations, how we marketed it. It's, it's a pr- you get a, you get a lot, <laughs> you get a hell of a lot for, for 20 bucks. That's for sure. That's great. That's great. Adam, thank Adam, you again thank for coming on the show. show. Um, um I can't wait can't to read it. It looks it awesome. Looks awesome. And I'm still getting that damn echo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no worries. Yeah. Thank you so much. It, it was really good to talk about this and, and yeah, it, it was awesome to work on the book. It's, it's so good to have it out there and to just like, you know, be talking about it with people and see people reacting and see people reviewing it online and stuff. So yeah, I, I hope you dig it once you get a chance to dig in. Dude, it, it looks amazing and I can't wait. I can't wait to get it. Um, Afraid of Everything. You guys check out Afraid of Everything. Adam Tierney, Matthew Cousin. It's out by IDW and uh, you can get it pretty much anywhere. So look that book up and make a great gift for uh, the kid in your life or for yourself. I mean, little short horror stories are fun. So check it out. As long as as they're a brave kid, as long as they're not easily scared. (laughs) (laughs) It actually said uh, 10 to 14 on the the age listing. Yep. That sounds which, about right. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is right at the age where kids are starting to get into this. my nine year old right now is into things that are a little spooky. Just yeah, a little that spooky. Was, that was the age for me. It was like fifth grade is when we were all, all reading scary stories. And we would I remember in fifth grade coming to school and we were like, oh my God, did you read that story in the latest volume? Like like having that kind of after you know, mid recess chatter about the cool, like horror stories we're reading. So yeah, I, I, I think that's, you know, we wanted to write something that would appeal to anybody and, you know, comic book people, it's, it's got great art. So like, you know, 
30 year old, 40 year old, you can enjoy at any age, but I, I really wanted something that, that was particularly exciting for that age, like around like, yeah, 10 to 12, somewhere around there. I could totally see this book on sale at like hot topic or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I could see that too. It's, you know, like right at that, like, you know, tween teenage where it's, they're into kind of cool spooky stuff, but it's also yep. kind of cute. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's rad, man. I can't wait to see how this book does and I can't wait to read it. Adam Tierney. Thank you again, buddy. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. All right. Take it easy, brother. We almost went off on a tangent. You steered it right clear. You're like, no. I was like, no, I can't do this tonight. (laughs) And we're back. We are back. So what do you think? Oh, he's great. Yeah. He's great. I mean, the guy does everything. It's kind of hard not to like somebody who dips their toes into so many different things. I mean, if you just read his Twitter bio, it's Adam Tierney, author, producer, director, designer, screenwriter, animator, artist, husband, father, pretty okay guy. King of all nerds. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you know, it's, it's cool. I'm excited that Casey got a copy of their Fit Everything book. It looks, it actually looks really I know. Fun. I'm a little jealous. Adam, where's our copy? Right? Where's my it's our copy? our show. We have kids too. <laughs> Sheesh. Yeah, it's our show. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if you if we want to send us free stuff, we should, uh, you know, do the interviews, do the interviews ourselves. Not have, not have Casey do it. So. Sure. Casey sure. does the Casey, work. Casey gets a swag. Or maybe Casey should have said, hey, man, I appreciate the one, but can you get us two more because of, you know, the only reason I talk to you is the dumb kid. Yeah. Or, or, you know, we could just do what everybody else does and just go buy it ourselves. Yeah, that would probably be the easiest thing. And yes, yeah. you can buy a digital for $7.99 or buy a print for $19.99. And you can actually go get that right now at idwpublishing.com. There you go. So go pick it up and, be, you know, do the good thing and go pay for it. Don't try and beg for it for free like we did. Yeah. Galaxy order one right now. So there you go. Awesome. Awesome. Well, man, I think I think that's a show, man. That is a show. If you guys enjoyed what you heard, you want to hear more, go check out spoilerverse.com where we have a ton of back issues for you to peruse and to enjoy, along with a ton of other titles. When I say titles, I mean podcasts. There's a lot of them there. There's so many podcasts there, and we have articles and reviews and previews and and thought pieces and pieces on the paranormal and pieces about what Jay eats for lunch. There's so much stuff up there you can read and, and enjoy. And there's also a store link. So click on that store link and go to our store and, you know, buy a t-shirt or a hoodie or a face mask because unlike Kendrick, you make the right choices. And, uh, you know, look fly as hell while <laughs> well, you're no, doing I too. I wear my mask. We, we, we settled <laughs> I know, that. I, I know. do wear my mask tr- everywhere I go. So, you know, be like Kendrick. So be like wear Kendrick your mask. and be a good guy. Be, be the good guy out there and uh, help us keep the lights on. <laughs> a little bit of kickback we get for those. There you guys go. All right, guys, we are out of here. Don't forget, and as always, in the of podcasts, we are Cthulhu. And as Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind <laughs> and read more. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs>